Cuphead and all hope, listeners. You're listening to Radio Grognard, the OSR podcast about stuff, with your host, Glenn Hallstrom. Hi, folks. Old May Grognard here on a Thursday morning, kind of sunny. It's a nice day. I hope you're having a good day. And I am going to talk about information today. Actually, it's the second time I'm going to be talking about information because the first time just didn't make any sense and I had to redo it. See, lately I've been having this habit of staying up late and once midnight hits, I go, oh, it's the next day. I can do my show. I can do my podcasts. And doing your podcast when you're just dead tired and ready to go to bed does not work out. Because I listened to it, and I was editing it this morning, and I was listening to it, and I'm going, you know, there's a good point or two in here, but I just can't seem to explain it very well at, like, 1 o'clock in the morning. So, I decided to redo it. I was talking about the flow of information at the table. Now, I know I've talked about this before and alluded to it on my videos and here in the podcast and things like that. But I just want to kind of clarify it. Someone told me the the flow of information. A game is like a tennis match between the game master and the players. One side asks questions, the other side answers them, and the game progresses. I ask the players, what are you doing? They tell me what they're doing, and I give them the results. They ask me about a certain room or something in a dungeon or something like that or some kind of investigation. I tell them and the game goes on. That's how it works. The information flow is vital. Clues are vital. Things like that. So what I'm talking about is how to actually get that information out to the players in a way that it can be useful to them. Or sometimes not useful to them, because that's all part of drama. Let me explain. You have, say, a murder mystery. And they have information A, B, and C. Where they get this information is irrelevant. It could be from clues. It can be from talking to people. And the information is fluid. If you have a certain point to get to your players, you want to get a certain point to them, and you want an NPC to tell them, it doesn't matter which NPC. It really doesn't. Yes, there are... You've got to take into account the NPC's attitude towards the characters and their personality and things like that. But in the end, it doesn't matter. Because if they don't get it from NPC 1 or they or you miss giving it to them, you give it to NPC 2 when they talk to them. Same thing with clues. If they don't pick up on the clues, you give them more clues. And what I mean by that is, I've read a blog called The Alexandrian before. And he does a really good job of explaining things, and he came up with the three-clue rule. And some people will say, oh, that's full of, you know, that's not very good. But no, I, I think it's good. Give them three chances to pick up on a clue. Three different hints to pick up on a clue. If you think about it like a Sherlock scan, because Sherlock Holmes is always scanning everything. He's scanning the room, he's looking, he's observing. And that's how you get the three clues in there. Say you have one clue in a room, Give them three different things. Like, the clue is, how did the killer get out of the room? Well, first, the broken window is a clue. And and he did not come out of the room instead of going in because the second clue, the glass, is on the outside on the fire escape. So that means he jumped out of the window. 
And the third thing is, say, their sheets are messed up, which means he jumped on the bed and tripped over the sheets, went through the window, and then he just kept going. That's. It sounds improbable, but as Holmes says, take away everything that is illogical and the truth must be there or something like that. I forget what the quote is. But the point is they have three different things to follow. It's kind of a, a weird way of telling you that. But that's, that's, that's the three-clue rule in a nutshell right there. Clues, another way. Like I said, NPCs. Some NPCs are exposition fountains. They are talkative. They like to talk. If you ask them something, they'll go on for 10 minutes. You may have to dig through what they're talking about to find it, to find that nugget of information, but it's there. And then there's some NPCs who will just clam up, who will just, because of the way they are, the situation, or how they feel about the characters, they just clam up. So you got to figure out another way to do it, some kind of persuasion thing. And that leads me to my next, my next point. Roles, ability roles, skill roles. There are skills like, and this goes for any role, whether it's an observation role or a strength role or whatever. Your first words out of your mouth as a game master should be, okay, tell me what you're doing. Because there's no reason a character should ask for some kind of skill or ability role unless it warrants it. And they may not know it warrants it. They just want to find the answer. All they want to do is find the the information. They want to find the information. And players being players, if they can get it by a role, they'll do it. I've seen game masters go, okay, make an investigation role. Okay, blah, 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 without doing anything. No, you got to make them work for it. Okay, there's a dead body on the floor. I'm going to use my investigation to find out how he died. Okay, fine. What are you doing? You're looking at his head. You're looking at his legs. You're looking at his position. How are you doing well, I'm looking at his collar. I see something weird on his collar. Okay, make an investigation roll. Okay, fine. You find blah, blah, blah. Or you don't find blah. Or you might find nothing. I mean, you, they, they, roles don't always have to succeed because sometimes there's just nothing there. But maybe they're, maybe, they're, maybe they're barking up the wrong tree or something. But the point is, they work for it they're going to get some kind of result. Usually, if somebody tells me exactly what they're doing, I'll either give them pluses for it or be a little more lenient with the lenient with the information. Because the, the roles are there to supplement the role-playing. Roles happen when everybody's quiet and not thinking. Well, not. When you run out of ideas, you ask for a role. That's the whole point. Because, like, as, as the old saw goes... It's role-playing, not role, R-O-L-L, playing. And it's, there's some real wisdom in that, <laughs> in that statement. Because otherwise, once the roles start, the role-playing stops. That's what I'm saying. You've got to use these things in conjunction, and it's all about getting information. Knowledge is power, and you, the players need it, the characters need it to commence with the story. Here's something else that helps as far as the flow of information goes and roles that supplement the role-playing. If they walk into, say, a dungeon room that you really haven't thought about, say it's just another bedroom, and they ask to check around in the room. Okay, fine, let them. Okay, what are you doing? Okay, we want to look over at the bed. Okay, fine. Go ahead, tell me exactly what you're doing at the bed. I'm looking at the sheets. All right, 
you see something, but you need to make a roll for that. You need to make an investigation roll. Okay, fine. You made it. Okay, good. Well, you find a piece of parchment with a note written on it under the pillow, or rather under the sheet. See, that wasn't there before. I mean, I'm talking about what's going on in the GM's mind. That wasn't there before, but that's a perfect opportunity to give them information that you haven't given them. You may have one piece of information, you just don't know how to get to them. That's when you do stuff like, what are you doing? Make a roll. Because they will hand it to you. The players will hand it to you. Hand you the situation. It's like, put a clue here. Go ahead. This is what I'm looking for. Because they're looking for this anyway, right? So it's it's prudent to have some things where you just don't know where they're going to go. But the players will tell you. The players will tell you where to put things a lot of times. Now... Here's a situation. You're playing a character smarter than you. I've run this. This is one of the first things I ran into when I started in role-playing games. How do I play a character smarter than me? Well, that's what the roles are for. But the point is, you can't use them as a crutch. Okay, the character may be smarter than Say I'm playing Sherlock Holmes, who is way smarter than me. It's, it's just a matter of put in the effort and make the role. That's the whole thing. Put in the effort and make the roll. Because that's the only way you're going to get the information and you're playing the character correctly. Well, how do you play a character correctly? But the point is, if I'm playing Sherlock Holmes, he's going to be scanning everything. So I will go and say, I look over here, I look over here, I look over here. I may not know what I'm doing as a person, as the player, but it makes it easier for the game master to go, okay, you're looking in the closet. What are you looking for exactly? Or where are you looking for exactly if you don't know what you're looking for? So you tell him. It's role-playing. That's what you do. You tell him. You talk to somebody. You're talking to an NPC. If you put the right questions to him, he may spill. You never know. But you got to put the right questions to him. And if I play Sherlock Holmes, I may not know the right questions as a player, but if I can do some kind of role-playing backed up with a role, then you're playing it you're you're trying to portray him correctly and that's the whole point of the role playing game because you're getting the information you're playing Sherlock Holmes but you're also getting the information so that's pretty much the key of information there it's a flow back and forth and as a game master like i said you you are the keeper of the flow you're like you're like the Panama Canal you're the guy who keeps the locks to get the ships through you know the locks are information and you and you're the one who either lets the lets them go and gets the information or keeps them there. You should never have a situation where your players are totally dumbfounded about it, whether it's uh, a murder investigation, whether it's a dungeon, whether it's a trick or a trap, because anything that grinds the game to a halt is bad. You've got to keep the information flowing somehow, but at the same time, you can't give them a free ride. They've got to play, because this is what this is playing. Right here. Role play. Got it? Okay. All right. I'm calmed down now, so <laughs> I'm going to go finish my day. And I hope you folks have a really good day. I, I, I wasn't trying to browbeat you, but sometimes I get a little passionate. So if you want to talk to me more about this, drop me a voicemail on Anchor. 
or you can drop me an email at oldmangrognard at gmail.com. And don't forget, we're monetized, so if you want to throw me a few bucks, you can do that over at Anchor. they got a little button on there you can press and do that. Anyway, I'd appreciate it. And until I see you next time, keep the dice warm, and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Questions? Comments? Send them to oldmangrognard at gmail.com. We'll see you next time when Radio Grognard is on the air.